Well, thank you so much for your singing. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? That's, thank you, Brian and team. Just love having you here today. Um, and first of all, I just want to acknowledge all the volunteers and servants in our church. Some around 200, Angel, wouldn't you think? Volunteers, 300 that took to make our fall family festival happen. And I just want to... I love our church. Just love what we get to do. And thank you so much for coming. I know that uh, as the, you know, Wednesday morning we made the call to move it indoors because for the first time in 10 years it was going to be raining. And we were so glad that we did as the evening went on. It just rained hard, especially after we were finished and we were cleaning up. It was raining really hard. But what was just really cool about it is that, uh, is that we moved this entire thing that's all outdoors and spread out over a large area inside the, you know, walls of our building. I was just telling people, it was just like corralled chaos is all it was, okay? Uh, but I just prayed that every person who came would be patient and understand that uh, this wasn't our ideal, but it was the, what was happening. It was our reality. And I've never had more fun. The volunteers have never had more fun. And I don't even think our communities had more fun than they did as we got to come together. And so I just want to thank you for all your work and effort. I'm just really proud uh, of our church on this night, and it was exceptional, and uh, just uh, what we got to do. So, I, also, I'm just thinking about this morning that some of you got an extra hour of sleep, right? Yeah, isn't that cool? Uh, last night, I was, you know, planning my whole evening, you know, I have this kind of ritual on Saturday night because of what I get to do on Sundays, and then I have a ritual on Sunday morning as well that I go through. And so on Saturday night, I was going through my ritual, and what I got to do is I was a little more relaxed. I'm going to get an extra hour of sleep, okay? That's what I was thinking. I was planning on going to bed around the same time so I could have that extra hour and what they would feel like. And so I finally got to bed, and it was about 30 minutes later than normal, and I'm like, okay, I can do this. And so um, our power had gone out on Saturday morning. I don't know if any, any of you had that same problem. And so I was concerned about the minutes on my clock and making sure they were correct because I knew I needed to, what I needed to do. So the alarm goes off in the morning. I'm a two-snooze guy, okay? So two snoozes, and I'm up, and I'm in my – I go into the kitchen. And first thing I always do on a Sunday is I grab my phone because I want to see if there's been an emergency or a text or something going on I need to know about for church on Sunday or somebody going – and I open my – you know, click my phone, and it pops up, and it says 312. And I'm – Still in a stupor, okay? And I'm going, oh, I'm panicked, 312. And I, and I look at all of our clocks, and they all say 3 o'clock. And I, I'm going, well, my wife never changes the clocks the night before, so something's not right. And I just couldn't quite get it. And finally, it took about 10 minutes. I got it. So here we are, 3 o'clock. I got up this morning. <laughs> oh, I can see a nap's coming this afternoon. Uh, that's for sure. Why don't you grab two things for me? Look in your program. Grab your message notes. Love to see you do that. Pull them out. And then I also like you to grab a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 6. Last week we were in John chapter 6. This time we're in Luke chapter 6. If you have a Bible, you can use that. Want to let you know if you don't own a Bible, we want you to give you one as our gift today. And so you would just stop out on one of the racks in the lobby and take one. It's free. And uh, it's just our gift to you. If you're a guest, you can also stop at the Welcome Center. We have another gift we want to give you as well. Uh, you can grab one of these when you come in. If it really helps you to have a Bible in your hand while we're together, you grab one, you come in, you can leave it as you go uh, each and every week as you do that. So we began this series last week on outrageous stuff that Jesus said. And uh, as I was in preparation, I told you last week, and started reading uh, through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I was 
actually amazed at how most of what Jesus said is outrageous, okay? It's just outrageous when we look through it through our filter. But what we're trying to do is say, why was it outrageous to the people he wrote to or he was speaking to? And then why is it outrageous to us today? And then what can we do about it? And last week, I hid the outrageous statement until almost halfway through. And it was, if you remember last week, eat my flesh and drink my blood. So if you weren't here last week, you need to go out and listen to that one, okay? Because it's outrageous what he's saying. In fact, in that message is the key to really what it means to know Jesus Christ and to walk with him and to embrace the power that he has for us. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. Today, we just thought we'd read it right up front because it's one that everyone's probably familiar with. Love your enemies. See, Jesus came to teach us a different way of living. He came to show us a different value system. And the value system or the ethic that he taught was so different than the culture in his day that it was radical and outrageous. And I'll just say it's same for us today. It's radical and it's outrageous. And I don't know if the one we're looking at today, if we're ever going to really fully understand uh, until we get to heaven someday what it means to truly love our enemies. But what I want to do is I'm going to go back. And for those of you who missed last week, let's just read some verses from John 6 to kind of let you know how the people of his day reacted to what he said. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. Understatement. How can anyone accept it? In other words, how can anyone receive this in? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Or are you going to allow this to be a stumbling block in some way? And then he says this, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. So this was a defining moment in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Up until now, he has been healing and he's been feeding and he has been caring for and the crowds are flocking. We said last week, Jesus never wanted to grow a big crowd. He just wanted to influence. And so he was at this point shrinking his ministry, unlike many that would be in our day today or even followed him since. He was shrinking his crowd down so that he could actually teach them things one-on-one that would help them to grow. So it says that then Jesus turned to the 12. Now, basically we've got the 12 left. So disciples are all the followers, the 12 or the apostles are the 12 that we know of uh, as the ones who would be in the upper room later are going to, he said to them, are you going to leave? And we said, hey, they're busted because they were probably thinking that now's the time for them to leave as well. Simon Peter thought about it a minute And then in just this statement that's so radical and amazing, he says, Lord, to whom would we go? I just want you to ask yourself that question. Every time you think about Jesus and the words that he said or the words of the Bible and what God is directing, ask yourself, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. So he's saying that made that declaration. He says, what he was saying is, if we turn from you, we're turning to something else. We need to think about that. Anytime you turn away from Jesus, you're turning to something else. And is something else the truth? And can it carry you through the moments of life and the questions you have? To whom would we go? Now, as I was thinking about who would be here today, I'll just be honest. I was a bit overwhelmed, just being honest. Because when I talk about loving our enemies today, uh, as we talk about those who have mistreated us, those who have hurt us, uh, those who have betrayed us. Uh, I realize that when I go through this, that this is going to be more than just an intellectual exercise today. As I talk about enemies, as I talk about pain, 
many of us, we're going to be thinking of real memories. Just right, that they're going to come right up from our lives, from your story. And it's going to, in some cases, what you're going to feel today may be pretty raw and pretty real. And I just want you to know that I understand that. I, I, I knew this was going to happen today, and I've prayed for you. I prayed for each of us today that we would all be able to hear from God and that each of us would be able to take steps toward healing, take steps toward resolution, and take steps toward the freedom that he wants us to know and have. Okay, so let's jump in. Luke chapter 6, verses twenty, starting in verse 27. This is Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount. And so kind of get in the middle of his teaching here. And then Jesus says this, to all To you who are willing to listen. So that's kind of for us today. Are you willing to hear what he says? I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken from you, don't try to get them back. He goes on to say a couple more words. And I think, you know, how repetition helps. He goes on and repeats. This is what he says in verse 35. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting like children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. So what Jesus is saying is he's pointing out right away, I don't want you to just love your friends. I don't just want you to love your neighbors. I want you to learn to love your enemies, your enemies. Now, for most of us, I, I believe it would help us today uh, to think about, well, who, who are my enemies? Who are the ones that I would classify as an enemy? Uh, I'm going to begin by making a reference to a verse that's not in your notes. You want to write down so you can come back to it later. Matthew 5.43. Matthew 5.43. In Matthew's version of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. He says, you have heard the law that says love your enemy and hate your and love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say love your enemy. So he was saying there's a law out there that's saying that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say love your enemy. So what was the law that Jesus was referring to here? Well, guess what? There wasn't one. There wasn't one written in the book that said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You won't find it anywhere in the Old Testament saying that you are to hate your enemies. In fact, the opposite is true. In Leviticus 19.18, you want to write this down as well. In Leviticus 19.18, it says this, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the Old Testament says, love your neighbor. And here's what we know. The hate your enemy part was added by religious rulers and by the people. Hate your enemy part was added. What has transpired is that the law had been changed to make it easier to do what God was actually calling us to do. So basically what they had done is they said, if I can love my neighbor and hate my enemy, well, I'm going to define my neighbor in a way that I'm going to build to love my neighbor. So I'm going to define neighbor as anyone who's like me. Anyone who's like me is basically who they defined as neighbor in that day. And and then, therefore, it was up to every individual to define who was his or her neighbor. And then they added this part. Okay, now that I know who my neighbor is, my neighbor is anyone who's like me. Then they said, and hate your enemy. And then the enemy became anyone they chose. 
In other words, here's what they did. They came up with categories of people that it was ethically okay for them to hate. Really, like this. Okay, there's a group of people over here. They're like me. And so I'm going to consider those people that are like me, my neighbors. I love them. I love them. I love them. There's this other group of people over here. They're my enemies. And I'm going to hate them, hate them, hate them. Now, you got to know if you're in the system, this is a great system. Because you could choose who it was that you're going to love. And you could believe, listen to this, you could believe that God approved of you approved of you and you could choose who you could freely hate and believe that God approved of that as well you could choose who you love you could choose who you'd hate and you could do it in God's name God's stamp of approval on it and say God doesn't like you because I hate you and folks that was going on in that day and it's going on in our day as well. We put people into categories and we determine whether we're not we're going to love them based upon our judgment. And we take it further since we've judged them as unlovable that God can't possibly love them either. Now, this is what we're going to talk about next week. I can't wait for next week. So just remember what I've talked about right now. Remember next week when we get to it about categorizing people and judging them to make yourself look better and make it easier for you to love and then hate. Uh, Anne Lamott, we quote Anne Lamott, seems like a lot lately, but she said this. She said, you know you've essentially made God in your own image when he conveniently hates all the same people you do. (laughs) That's the system, okay? And that's what we do as well. So who are your enemies? Enemies are people who hurt us, devalue us, Uh, who take advantage of us, lie to us, abuse us, slander us. Our enemies are the people who persecute us. Enemies are the ones who gossip about us. Enemies are people who key our cars. Just had to get that one in, okay? (laughs) Enemies are people who use us for their own good. Enemies are people who take something of value from us. So what Jesus is getting us to do is he's wanting us to take our heart's response to people have hurt us, have injured us, have insulted us, have judged us, have taken advantage of us. And he wants us to change that from hatred into love. And this is a huge leap. That's why you really need eat my flesh and drink my blood from last week. It's a huge leap so you can understand what it was that Jesus is saying. It's my hope that we will all see this love your enemy statement as an opportunity to live differently. And as we're going to see in just a minute, to live as Jesus would have if he were here today. And more than anything, what I'm hoping is, is that as we go through this today, that every one of us is going to have a significant opportunity to change this. To change your heart and your view, your understanding of how you have categorized people. And you've said, this is someone who's like me, so they're lovable. And here's someone who's not like me, and so they're not lovable, and I will hate them. And because I hate them, God does too. He does as well. Now, in order to wrap our brains around it, let's just talk about ways that we typically respond to enemies. I want to give you three right there in your notes. The first is fight. You know these. First one is fight. 
Uh, psychology tells us that when we're confronted with an enemy, one of our first urges is to put up our dukes and fight. And there's nothing wrong with that in the right setting and situation as we would protect ourselves, protect our family, and protect our, um, our children in some way. So we power up and we want to protect ourselves. And uh, so we fight in that way. The second is flight. We know this, flight. So I'm either going to fight, duke it out to protect myself, or I'm going to to run. And I'm going to try to get away from this situation as quickly as possible. Now, I'll just say there are appropriate places for both of those, fight or flight. There are appropriate places for both done in the manner in which you are choosing to love someone else as much as you love yourself. But then there's a third way. And, and I think the third way is what Jesus is challenging us to move toward, and that is love. The third way is to love. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, he's choosing a very specific word in the Greek language, and it is the word agape. Many of you have heard of agape love. Agape is a kind of love that moves toward people no matter what, that moves toward people no matter what they've done or who they are. It's not conditional, and it loves in spite of what someone does. Okay, I'm going to show you a video now. Someone in our church family who had a tragedy beyond belief happened to her, um, her daughter. Uh, her daughter was murdered, and we're going to see her story, and then we're going to see how she was able to move through and get to a place where she could express love to this person who had murdered her daughter. Let's watch this. Hello, my name is Cindy Meyer. And through some hard things, I have learned the importance of forgiving others. A tragic day it was indeed when I received the news through a telephone call that 70% of my daughter's body had been burned. Three weeks later, she died. On October the 6th, 1995, I buried here in Grass Valley my 25-year-old daughter, Heidi Marie. Well, Heidi was raised and brought up in a Christian home here in town, and she received Christ into her heart at an early age. But early in her teen years, she was lured into the drug scene. At the age of 21, she married. She later had two children, and then later moved to Arkansas. There were times when drugs totally controlled my daughter. So much so that it contributed to her and her husband's separation. Well, shortly afterwards, Heidi moves in with this drug dealer and this drug addict named Bobby. Well, due to drug addiction and an unsafe living environment, my husband and I are given custody of Heidi's two small children, Caleb and Jamie, who were two and four at this time. Well, three months later, Heidi's plans were to leave her boyfriend, Bobby. She had her car packed up and she was ready to go. Well, Bobby, he had different plans. He came out with a can of gasoline and he threw it all over Heidi and he set her on fire and left her in a field to die. Well, after we heard the news about Heidi being burned, we got on an airplane and we flew back south 
and as soon as that plane landed, we quickly rushed to the hospital. Well, I barely had enough strength to stand as I saw my dying daughter in the hospital bed who was now unrecognizable. Well, before the police arrested Bobby, he came to the hospital and I had an opportunity to talk to Bobby. I went into the waiting room and there he was and his head hung low and I said, Bobby, Bobby, you did this. No, ma'am, no, ma'am, I didn't, he said. And I said, Bobby, you did it. You burned Heidi. You tried to kill her, Bobby. Well, a calm spirit came over me. I said, hey, Bobby. Bobby, listen. Bobby, I'm a Christian. And I don't hate you. In fact, Jesus tells me that I have to forgive you, Bobby. Well, after Heidi died, we flew her body back to Grass Valley for burial. Rudy and I adopted Heidi's two children. You know, God is still working in my family. Hearts are being healed and lives restored. And Bobby, Bobby ended up getting life in prison. But I knew that I could be a prisoner as well. If I chose not to forgive a prisoner within myself to bitterness, anger, and an unforgiving spirit. And I thought, you know, Bobby has done enough damage to me and my family, and I'm not going to allow him to lock me up. But you know, I have to admit that forgiveness is an ongoing choice to this day. You know, people have asked me how and why. How and why did you forgive this horrible man that did this terrible thing to your daughter? Well, I'll, I'll tell you the how and the why. It's simply this. I knew and I believed. I knew and I believed what Jesus tells us in the Bible. In Luke 6, 37, he says, forgive and you will be forgiven. And it was God who empowered me to forgive. I never could have done this on my own. You know, it was Christ who truly set me free from what could have been a life of bondage due to an unforgiving heart. Because of Christ, I'm truly free. pretty sobering, huh? And uh, what I loved was her honesty as she shared, and we had several times to get to meet and talk about this story, and uh, that she was talking about, you know, the process, and she made it real clear there that in the beginning she said, I must forgive, and then she said, forgiveness is a process, and she continues to walk down that road, and yet she chose to walk it. She chose that that would be the road to healing, and as she said, freedom, to be able to love someone who had done such a tragic and cruel thing to her daughter and to her family. But you know, when we look at that story, yours may not be as tragic, and you may not have such a dramatic story, 
But every one of us gets hurt, as we talked about. And then every one of us has a chance or an opportunity to work through that hurt. Work through that hurt so that we don't carry it, that we're not, as she said in her story, uh, in bondage to it, that we're not a prisoner to it. And we would never want the person to hurt, that hurt us to keep us stuck in bondage and a prisoner the rest of our lives. We would want to be able to move through that to the other side, to where there'd be a place where we could say the words of forgiveness and then eventually feel the words of forgiveness in our lives as well. Uh, and it's only possible through what Jesus says next. In Luke 6.36, he says, you must, notice there's no qualification here, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. So as she shared in her story, we can forgive and we can love because we know we've been loved. We've experienced that love. And I'll just say this, you cannot give what you have not experienced yourself. You can only love as Jesus loved as you experience his love and know his, um, how much that he loves you and what he's done for you deep in your heart that you have it there. Uh, we all know Dr. Martin Luther King. Well, he has a, a famous sermon called Loving Your Enemies. And, uh, and I was reading that this week, and I'm going to use some of that at the end of our service time together today. But in another place, he said this. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And I believe that with all my heart. But it's not just love. It's God's love. It's a copy love that allows us to be able to love others. And Jesus teaches us, we're going to look at how love can always win. It's the most durable power in the world. So if you would, um, look on the back side of your notes and let's just talk about the rest of what Jesus says to us. He kind of gives some how statements. Uh, and so these are some thoughts that you can use as you're dealing with your enemies that you would say, how can I love my enemies? Well, Jesus said, here's how. So let's look at those. But he begins this way in verse 31, though. He says, do to others as you would like them to do to you. So first of all, Jesus is not saying, love only those who are like you. You know, that he was fighting against that when he spoke, that we should do more than love our neighbors. We should love our enemies. He's saying love everyone because here's the deal. Everyone is like you. Everyone is like me. We all have the capacity to hurt others. As we are living life, we can have an accident and not even intend it and hurt and damage someone else's life. So within each of us is the potential and in some of us is even the act of hurting other people. So what we'd want to do is we'd want to say, I want to treat others as I want to be treated. I want to treat others as I want to be treated. Not treat them as they deserve, because I sure don't want to be treated as I deserve, but as I want to be treated as well. And then Jesus lists these five action steps, and we're just going to close with this. First is this, act in their best interest. Act in their best interest. He said, you're to do good to those who hate you. You're to good, do good to your enemies, those who have hurt you. And that practically acts in their, um, for them. C.S. Lewis, I love his quote. He talks about this 
acting practically. He says, the rule for all of us is perfectly simple. Don't waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. Love it. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you're behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. Isn't that cool? Love that. So act. And so ask yourself, what can I practically do? What can I do in a benevolent way? And benevolence means goodwill or the good for in a way that would help someone else, someone who's hurt me. What can I do to surprise them by acting intentionally? Second, I speak words of blessing. Speak words of blessing. He said, bless those who curse you. So, you know, our, you know, I know my tendency, and I know our tendency is when someone curses us is that we what? We curse them back. Someone digs us, we dig them back. Someone speaks ill of us, we want to speak ill back to them because we want to kind of even the playing field. We want to prove that they're not actually right. Uh, but actually, by doing it, we are proving they're right. Uh, but what we want to do is we want to love people with, by blessing them. So when you're, someone has hurt you, instead of ruminating over how they've hurt you, instead of digging down into the words that they've said that have damaged you, focus on saying positive words about them, blessing them. You may not be doing this to them, but if you're doing it out loud, what it's doing is changing your heart toward them from seeing them as evil uh, to seeing them as you are and you are in need of blessing as well. Number three, pray for forgiveness. Pray for forgiveness. Jesus calls us to pray for our enemies. And, you know, we, we just know that this is hard. I mentioned last week in jest, but I'll say it again this week. Some of us, We have a hard time praying for our friends, you know, let alone our enemies. And so we come to this, well, how do I pray for my enemy? How do I pray for that one who has hurt me? You could pray a prayer like this. God, just don't let it hurt too bad when they get hit by a truck, okay? So that's, you know, that could be a prayer that you might pray for them. But I don't advise that prayer, okay? But that's where some of us, you know, that's where we might be in the end. We're looking at this. When we've been hurt, one of the most difficult steps we can take is to get to a place where we can pray for the one who hurt us. Pray for God to do good in their life. Pray for God to heal them. Because here's the deal. Hurt people hurt people. And so if you pray for their healing at the depths of their heart, then they may reach a place where they're no longer hurting others as you have been hurt by them. But also as you're praying for them, God's working in your heart and you've been hurt. And if hurt people hurt people, you need your hurt to be healed as well so that you're not hurting others. And we do that through our prayers, intercessory prayer. But then we get to a place where we pray for forgiveness. And this is a prayer you may pray again and again and again. You pray for them to be set free. You pray for them to no longer be in a position that you're holding them as if they owe you a debt. You set them free of that debt. Jesus wants us to care for people. And one of the ways we do that is we pray for them. And in that prayer, we can let them go and let the offense go. Number four, restrain my natural reaction. Restrain my natural reaction. Some of you chuckled because you know your natural reaction, okay? But Jesus says that we are to turn the other cheek. So, turn the other cheek. This is a verse that, and these are a set of verses that have gotten so misused 
uh, over the years in different ways. But what he's saying here, instead of, instead of striking back, stand firm. Instead of slandering, bless. Instead of talking to others about someone, I talk to God in prayer. So these are ways you can turn the other cheek is the ways that the first three things that we'd are, you know, four things that we'd actually talked about until now. When he says to turn the other cheek, he's not saying we're to let someone keep hurting or abusing us. You got that one? He's not saying that, that you should stay in a situation where someone is hurting or abusing you. And some of you have been hurt significantly by someone else. And you've read this verse and someone's actually told you about this verse. And then you felt that it was your duty to stay in this situation to be someone's punching bag. And folks, that is not what Jesus is teaching here. Not what he is teaching here. What he is teaching is this. When you've been shamed or you've been humiliated by someone else, stand up for yourself by letting them know that you will not stand for this behavior. Stand up for yourself by letting them know you won't stand for this behavior or this treatment and just say, I'm too valuable to let you treat me like this. Too valuable to let you treat me like this. And there may be some people that you need to move away from who have no other way to relate except to hurt you. And so you may need to move away from that person or those people just knowing they are not safe for you and they are not safe and you need to move away from them. So I'll just come at it another way. If the first step we said was to act practically in someone's best interest. So that's our first step. So just ask yourself this question if you're struggling with, is it in their best interest to, to remain as their punching bag? No, no, not in any way. It allows them to go on damaging you and damaging themselves. So what I have to do is I have to learn to love through my response and stand up and stand for myself, Okay. Next is this, and the last is this. Be generous with my response. This is one that's just mind-boggling for me. Absolutely boggles my mind, okay? Up until now, it's been, you know, stuff that happens in my heart and something from my will. But all of a sudden now, I have to literally take something of mine and give it to the person who hurt me. Jesus said, offer your shirt to someone who asks you for it. If something's taken from you, don't try to get it back. He's saying this. He's saying that we're to respond generously to our enemies in ways that are in their interest. I think this is kind of graduate level stuff here, okay? That we are to, to respond generously to someone who has hurt us in a way that is in their best interest. So you might think about that. You think about someone who's hurt you and you know they have a need. Is there a way that you can meet that need? Is there a way that you can show Christ's love tangibly by letting go of some possession or something that you have that would be able to help them? And here's what you would say. If there's a requirement, offer more than is required. I think that's what Jesus is saying. If there's a requirement, offer more than is required. And it's going to confuse your enemies when you do that. Totally confuse them. Now, that's what Jesus said. 
about loving your enemy. Now, I'll just say this, just wrapping up. You don't have to do any of this. What? Uh-uh. You don't have to do any of this. Unless you want to remain a captive to your anger and your hurt and your bitterness. You don't have to do it. And if you don't, your enemy will be the winner and will win every time. So I have to love as I've been loved. I have to give mercy as I've been given mercy. And you can only love as you've experienced love, a deep, deep love and a deep mercy that God says comes through Jesus Christ. Look at this verse from Romans 5. Our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. Notice this, while we were still what? So what did God do? He showed us how. And he made it possible. He showed us his love while we were still his enemies. He acted in our best interest while we were still his enemy. And so he did it. I received his love. And now I can love because God loves me. At the end of the sermon, I told you from Dr. Martin Luther King, this is what he says. He says, there's a little tree that is planted on a little hill. And on that tree hangs the most influential person who ever came into this world. In the cross of Jesus, the love of God is broken through into human history. Now we know what love looks like in a world filled with hatred, disgust, bitterness, pain, mistreatment, and abuse. It is a message from God that love is the only way to live on this earth. If we believe in Jesus, we must say to our enemies, I love you. I would rather die than hate you. When Jesus walks with us, we will find the strength to love our enemies, to bless those who curse us, and to pray for those who despitefully use us. It's through the power of the one who died on the cross, on a tree on a hill, for us. And when we receive him, Ephesians 5 says, this is how we will live. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Love your enemy. Let's pray. God, I, I just know that there are lots of people who have questions right now and that their minds are swirling and um, they're caught up in the pain of a moment or it's so raw and real they're in right now or the memories of a past moment are just flooding them. And I just want to pray right now, God, that, that there would be just a moment, uh, God, I want to release that. Just say it to him, God, I want to release this. I don't want to be focusing on my pain right now. Help me to focus on you. Help me to focus on the fact that Jesus is with me, that he went to a cross and he died on that cross when I was his enemy so that I could become friends of the Most High God. And you know, some of you today You've never been willing to admit that you're an enemy of God. 
know, maybe you're religious or you're good. But you say you're an enemy. God says that we're all his enemy until we know Jesus Christ. And so in that case, what you'd want to do today is you want to solve that. You'd want to do something about that because you want to be his friend. So you'd want to say to him right now, God, as much as I understand this teaching, wow, this is new to me. Or God, I've heard this before about Jesus, but I've never been willing to admit I was your enemy. I want to do that today. So God, I just say right now, just in my heart, God, if you've never done this before, you would say, God, I am your enemy. I have sinned against you. You are holy and righteous, and I am not. And I realize now that there's nothing I can do for us to be in relationship. And you did it through Jesus Christ. You made it possible. So I want to receive his forgiveness today. I want to receive his cleansing. I want to be made as a friend of God. Father, I pray for all of us as we think about those who we would call an enemy or those who have hurt us, that we'd be thinking of these five things today. What can I do as an act of benevolence, an act of goodwill? How can I speak words of blessing? I want to pray. I want to pray. God, help me not to be so reactive. Help me to, when I've been humiliated, but to stand up with courage, to be strong. And then God, wow. Help me to know what act of generosity. would touch my enemy's heart. God, I pray for strength. I pray for courage. I pray for healing in this room, for those who have been damaged and hurt, that you do not want them to carry that. That today, if they've never started, today's the start of a journey of forgiving and releasing toward freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for these powerful words. And it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen.